Welcome. This is episode number three. I will be talking to Erica Carrico. I'm super excited because this is our first Spotlight episode, and we get to do a deep dive into Erica's travels. I hope you enjoyed the episode, and hit me up on Instagram, at Ordinary to Badass, and let me know what you think. Be confident, be bold, be authentic, but don't forget to take action. This is Ordinary to Badass, where our stories empower women to step into the spotlight of their own lives and pursue what they're truly passionate about. It's time to step into the arena and become more than just extraordinary. It's time to become a badass with your host, Marie Sonneman. Today's guest is Erica Carrico. Erica, welcome. We are so glad to have you. Thank you. I am so happy to be here. First off, before we go any further, I have got to ask you, do you consider yourself to be ordinary or badass? Well, obviously, because I'm here, but I used to be ordinary and have definitely transformed into badass. Nice. Love it. What was the turning point for you? The turning point for me was just being tired of settling, tired of playing small, tired of trying to fix my, you know, fit myself into a box, tired of living life based on how I felt I should be, and just really burning out in all aspects of my life. And I just had enough. Okay, awesome. So I'm going to go ahead and give a short bio about you, and then you can add any additional details that you see fit. Erica Carrico is an international life purpose and business coach, world traveler, and adventure seeker, free spirit, and mommy of two. Through coaching services and speaking, Erica helps spiritual professionals who are frustrated and stuck in the wrong career discover their life purpose and start a soul-aligned business so they can finally earn a living doing what they absolutely love and what they were put on this earth to do. Erica has a BS in psychology, an MS in nonprofit management, life and career coaching certification. 12 plus years experience in business leadership and international recruitment, built a fully booked business within a year, has traveled through over 50 different countries, and is obsessed with helping thousands of people all around the world live lives full of purpose, freedom, and adventure. Wow, what a bio. Is there anything else that you would like to add or that you think the audience should know about you? I don't think so. I think that pretty much sums me up in a nutshell. Okay, great. First, I gotta say, this is our first Spotlight episode, and I am super excited. This is where we're going to do a deep dive on one topic. It's not the standard questions that you're used to. Today, I would like to talk a little bit about travel and adventure. Can you tell me a little bit about your experiences with travel? Oh my gosh, where travel is like my life. Where do you want me to start? <laughs> so... I understand that you traveled around the world and that you also lived overseas. Is that correct? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So I basically, I grew up um, with parents who just took me on adventures as a child. So we traveled a lot. We were camping all the time. We had horses that we took, um, you know, around the U.S. and camped with them. And I just grew up having adventures and it was really part of who I was. And I think um, that just taught me a lot about 
pushing myself out there, you know, a little bit, um, sort of breaking, breaking outside of my comfort zone and, and pushing my boundaries. And it just became a way of life for me. And so when I went to college, I did a study abroad program in Australia. And that was really the first time that I had ventured overseas. And I just really caught the travel bug. And on that trip, um, I did Australia, I went to New Zealand and spent um, about six weeks backpacking around New Zealand. And then I headed over to Bali, Indonesia, and um, did part of Thailand as well. So within that space, I was sold. I was like, travel, I'm obsessed. This is going to be a part of my life. And I just knew it right then and there. Um, but then I felt like, what are you doing, Erica? Like you've graduated from college now, you know, you need to settle down. You need to get a job. You need to start earning money all of the things, you need to get married, you need to have kids, all of it, right? It all started coming up for me. Right. And so I tried, yeah, I tried for like five years to really stuff myself into this career and fit into this box, actually more like seven years. And um, finally, I just, after burning out of my corporate career, um, I was living in Australia at the time, which we can talk about as well, um, if you want living overseas. Um, but yeah, I went and actually saw a life coach. And I just was like, I'm really burnt out in my career. I, I can't do this anymore. I don't think this is what I'm meant to do with my life. And I quit my job. And that was when um, I went traveling around the world for a year. So that seven years where you tried to stuff yourself away and resist the traveling, how did you feel? I, I could not, I couldn't breathe. I, I remember thinking, um, you know, it was always on the back of my mind, how can I get myself overseas? How can I live overseas? How can I work overseas? How can I make travel a part of my life? And I was constantly reading books and reading books. And, you know, I was, I'd be in relationships and I'd, I'd feel really settled. Um, but then at, at sort of deep down and just within, it was this restlessness. And it was this calling of like, this isn't supposed to be your life. This isn't supposed to be your life. And so I couldn't sink into my life. I couldn't commit to any sort of relationships. I couldn't commit to a job. I just bounced and bounced and bounced. I didn't want to buy a house. All my friends were buying houses. So I rented. Um, I just didn't want to be still. And I felt like I was missing so much out in the world by just making myself stay in this one place. And it literally was like soul destroying for me. So what would you say to somebody that's going through that right now, or they're afraid to make the leap? I just think, you know, obviously go ahead and weigh your pros and cons, you know, um, weigh your pros and cons. And I always tell my clients, and this is really what I had to do myself was how are you going to feel not making this change, right? How are you going to feel if your life just stays the same? And can you imagine your life staying the same for the next one year, five year, 10 years? And if you're okay with that, then okay. You know, but if you're not, then you have to make some sort of a change, right? And I just think that staying complacent is so much worse than the alternative of following our fear, of chasing the fear, of ignoring our fear and doing the thing anyway. So was there a turning point at that seven-year mark that changed things for you? So before that point, I actually, with my corporate career, had moved to Australia, right? So when I turned 27, I think it was, I was 27, and I, I was living in downtown Denver. I was living in Colorado. I had a great job. I did. I was in a relationship. I had an amazing apartment downtown and I was sort of living the dream, but I literally just felt like I can't stay here. This, like I just said, this is not going to be my life forever and I need to do something right now. And so I quit my job. I donated all of my furniture. 
I gave my car to a good friend of mine and I literally left um, at 27 with nothing but a backpack and a box. And I arrived in Australia and I did have a job when I was there and it was in corporate recruitment. So I feel like I was, you know, taking the leap in going and living overseas and making that jump of living abroad. Um, but in saying that I was still trapped in that career. And so I was right. living in Australia and I was living by this amazing beach and I had these incredible clients and I was living the life quote unquote, like people would just say, Oh my God, this is such a dream. Mm -hmm. But deep down, I just still felt really trapped and I still felt really sort of unhappy and just miserable in my career. And so for me, the turning point was just when I had to talk myself into going to work every day. I'd wake up and I remember sitting on the train and I just was doing everything that I could to like talk myself into doing this for one more day. Um, you know, really trying to work through the anxiety and that depression. And there were so many things I was drinking too much, I sh you know, just to try and really drown out that restlessness and drown out that you're here for more sort of saying that was going through my mind. Mm -hmm. I was obsessively working out. I was trying, I was eating just to like do everything that I could to just really drown that out. And finally I just hit a place where I hit rock bottom and I, um, I had some, some serious anxiety and like almost panic attacks happening. And I went to the doctor and I remember asking for some anti-anxiety medicine and he gave it to me and I took it home and I sat there for a minute and I was like, this is, this isn't going to solve the root cause. This isn't going to solve the problem of what's really going on here. What do I need to do? And I knew I needed to quit my career. And so I did. And a dream of mine had been to travel the world. And I said, effort. <laughs> I'm doing it. And that's nice. a turning point for me. Yeah. So do you think that it helped when you moved to Australia? You kind of were maybe dipping your toes in the water, at least seeing what it felt like. Although it wasn't what you wanted to do in the end, it was still a step forward. Do you think that that was helpful doing something? I think it was. It was helpful in that I knew I needed to be overseas. And I was still very much living in the element of I should have a corporate career. I should be doing this. So there was very much that element of I'm, I should be. Right. And as I kind of gradually have taken that journey um, and really gone through my own spiritual work and taken my own personal journey, I've really let go of a lot of those shoulds. But we can only start where we're at, right? And so at the time, that's what I knew. That's what I was comfortable with. Yes, it was still terrifying, but it was still one step forward. And I think a lot of times we have to take baby steps instead of just totally. ripping the whole band-aid off at once, right? Right, right. So you said F it and you left your job. And where'd you go from there? Yeah, so I went to India. <laughs> oh, awesome. Yeah, I spent we spent about um six months traveling around India and that was um a really amazing experience. And we went to and we can go back and talk about any of these places specifically if you want, but we went then up to through Southeast Asia, um, so all the way, you know, through Thailand, Laos, Cambodia, Vietnam, up into China, and then spent six months over in Africa camping and sort of working our way up, yeah, in a tent um, for six months, working our way up from, well, down from South Africa all the way up. I think we did 18 countries in Africa, all the way up to, like, Uganda and Rwanda. That's so awesome. I'm a little bit jealous right now. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. So before you did that, what were you fearful of? I was 29 and I was thinking, I'm never going to get married. Here I am now leaving, jumping ship again. You know, my friends were all married with two kids and houses and dogs. And 
here I am leaving my career. Don't even know what I'm going to do when I come back. I don't have, you know, retirement savings. I'm spending probably all my money on this trip. <laughs> um, I am not, you know, am I going to get married? Am I going to have kids? I mean, all these questions are running through my mind. And I think it, you know, that, that those were really the fears that I had at that moment. So what was the favorite place that you, or your favorite place that you've traveled to? Oh, that's so hard. <laughs> oh gosh. I am just so drawn towards, I obviously love the beaches of Thailand. They're incredible and amazing, but I'm just so drawn towards Africa. You know, there, it's just such a, an ancient feel there and it's almost, uh, well, it is otherworldly and just the connection that I felt over there with the earth and with the people and just being there, I had this just odd sense of being at home in a way. Yeah. So you were staying in a tent the whole time you were there. Is that right? Yep. Is that common? Like, were there other people doing the same thing? Yeah, it's actually a really common way to travel around Africa. So you go on these overland trucks and you literally just camp out in the middle of nowhere. Um, in the big cities, you obviously can stay in hostels and backpackers and things like that. Um, so I definitely did do that in like, you know, Johannesburg and Cape Town, Cape Town and um, a lot of the bigger cities up in Kenya. I think Nairobi, we also stayed someplace. But yeah, when you're, when you're traveling and you're on the go, you're camping basically. So what is the best story that you have about something that happened in Africa? Oh, geez. Well, I would say there's two. So the first one, I have to like pee in the middle of the night. I'm not the kind of person who can sleep the whole night through. So this is kind of an issue because, you know, you'd wake up in Africa and you'd get outside of your tent in the middle of the night and you literally would see red eyes just staring and you wouldn't know if it was a lion or a hyena or something really big and scary, but you'd see these Yeah. So I would always try and stick like right next to the tent. But one night I was really tired and I just, I don't know, I put my shoes on, I stuck my headlamp on and I unzipped the tent and I got out and I just stood there and we were in the middle of a massive herd of African buffalo. And they were just like, I mean, I could have touched one, two, three, four, five. I mean, they were everywhere. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Just African buffalo. And they actually kill more people than any other African animal. <laughs> so oh gosh. I know. I don't actually remember if I went or not, but that was, um, that was really intense experience. The second was we were camping in the middle of, I think we're in Tanzania, maybe Botswana, and heard this kind of shuffling around at night and all of a sudden just felt something like sticking its, you know, whatever, underneath our sleeping bags, underneath our tents. And it was an elephant. So we literally had an elephant sticking its trunk underneath. Yeah. And just like, feeling around and breathing and just all. And I mean, I kept thinking, you know, one step, is he just, you know, is he going to take one step onto the tent? Um, Fortunately, he never did. But yeah, that was pretty intense as well. You just kind of lay there paralyzed, not knowing what's about to happen. That's crazy. Yeah. So were there any mishaps while you were traveling? And if so, how did you recover from them? I would say the biggest Yeah. Oh my gosh. A a lot. But I would say probably the biggest mishap was I got really sick in India to the point where I was in hospital for five days, maybe five days. And you're not supposed to drink the water there and you're not even supposed to brush your teeth with the water. And I was doing really well. One night I came home after having, you know, a beer or two and I just was tired and I wasn't thinking properly. And so I put the toothpaste on my toothbrush, stuck it under the water and brushed my teeth and that was kind of game over. And so I ignored it for 
probably almost a week and it just gradually kept getting worse and worse and worse. And I, at one point started running a fever of probably around 104 or 105 and I was hallucinating. Oh, and wow. so, yeah, my, uh, my boyfriend at the time who I was with, we, he's like, we need to go to the doctor. And so we went to the doctor and they tried giving me some tablets to, you know, like obviously antibiotics was a really big bacterial infection in my body, but they also had to like give me shots to try and hold the tablets in. So he did that, sent me back to our, the place that we were staying. And I ended up going to the bathroom and I looked in the toilet and the tablets were whole in the toilet. They had oh, just goodness. Literally, yeah, gone right through me. Huh. So I was in the hospital in India for probably about five days on IVs, IV antibiotics. And that was a really scary experience because they didn't speak English. Nobody spoke yeah. English. I didn't know what was wrong with me. I didn't know if I was going to live or die. Um, you don't know what you're getting stuck with. And, you know, I think that was just a real humbling experience. Um, and it sort of erased, you, you have to surrender a lot. You have to surrender a lot. And I think it just took away any expectations that I had for the rest of our trip. It really grounded me in the moment. And honestly, I don't think if that would have happened, I probably wouldn't have had as a, like a mindful experience as I had while I was traveling, you know, cause it just really made me so grateful and actually more humbled. And, um, I had, to, I knew I had to be careful. Yeah, that sounds like quite the experience. And I can't even imagine, you know, being in a different country and not speaking the language and having something like that happen. But it sounds like it turned out good for you. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know about you, but when I travel, I like to immerse myself in the culture or whatever it is they do, even if it's something that I traditionally don't like, like I will try it just because I'm in their culture doing their thing. Have you ever done anything like that where you kind of just immerse yourself in their culture and try something out of your comfort zone? Yeah, pretty much everywhere we went on that trip, you know, we stayed very locally. Most of the places we went, they didn't really speak English. We we did go to this place in China, which was really intense. It was sort of in the middle of China. And I don't know, it had a population of like 12 million people, but nobody's ever really heard of it before. Mm -hmm. And so you get there, nobody, they don't see Westerners, they don't see foreigners. They're you know, I think they, at one point they said there might've been only 25 English speaking or, or Westerners in that massive city at any given time. Oh, and wow. so I think, yeah, that was a really eye-opening experience because you couldn't go anywhere because nobody there spoke English. There were no signs in English and you, um, obviously if, unless you speak Chinese. So I think being in a place where you can't communicate with anybody, you can't read anything, you don't know what's happening anywhere is just also a really interesting experience. Most other places we went, there someone would speak English or there'd be an English sign somewhere or something would be in English. But this was the first time that we really hit just absolutely nothing, no communication allowed. So everything was, was very different there. Right. So from all of your travels, what is something that you have learned or something that it has taught you? I think that we are, as human beings, so much more capable than we think we are. And I think that we also can do and achieve and accomplish anything, yes. anything, anything that we want to do if we put our mind to it and if we believe we can. So agree. I think that's so undervalued and underrated. You know, I don't, I don't think people quite realize that. No, I completely agree. And I think our mind 
tells us what we can do and what we can't do. And so we have to learn to reprogram that, right? What is possible for us? Paint a new picture, create a new story, tell yourself a new belief. And from that, create your life. Do you have any like mindset or meditation practices that you do? Absolutely. So I am a really big believer in affirmations and subconscious reprogramming through using I am affirmations. Are you familiar with that? Yep, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I have been using affirmations for probably at least the last three years. I fall asleep to them. I listen to them while I'm getting ready in the morning. I'm just a big believer that, you know, when we really work to change our state and reprogram what's going on in our subconscious mind, so many more, so many things just become easier and more fluid. Yep. I think for a long time, I just thought it was kind of kooky or woo-woo until I tried it. And then once I tried it, you know, it's game changing. <laughs> right. It's scientific. It's actually scientific. There, I mean, there's studies that show that's how you reprogram your brain, right? It's starting to learn how to train it. Your brain's a computer and you have to program it. And so normally we're wired to think negatively and we're wired to have a reality based on where we're at right now. We're not designed necessarily to think bigger, to think further ahead naturally. And so we can really work to reprogram that. And that's just one of the tools. So I agree with you. So how has traveling changed your life? Traveling has become my life. You know, I married an Australian. My little boy was born there. Both my kids are Australian citizens and U.S. citizens. I have seen and done, sometimes I think about everything that I've done and everything that I've seen. And I just feel like it was from a movie or it was from a book and it's not, it was my life. You know, I would never be where I am today, probably not even in my business or working with the amazing clients that I work or even speaking internationally and traveling internationally through my business. If I hadn't have done all of that earlier in my life. Yeah. So stinking cool. And otherwise you'd probably still be feeling like you're like stuffing it down and not living the life you want to live, you know? Yeah, for sure. And who knows what those kinds of consequences hold. Right. Right. So what would you tell other women who are not pursuing their passions? First, figure out exactly what it is. Don't take, don't bite off more than you can chew, right? Figure out what your passion is, figure out what you actually really want in life and write it down. Create a one-year dream. Create a three-year dream. Get really specific. What do you want to be doing in your life? Where do you want to be living? What kind of car do you want to be driving? How much money do you want to be earning? Where do you want to be going on vacations? How many vacations do you want to be taking a year? Get specific because the more specific you are, the easier it is to start making baby steps towards it. Because when we think, oh, you know, what do you, what do you really want in life? And you don't know the answer to that. You think, oh, I want to be living my passion or following my passion, but you don't know what the heck that is. You're never going to get anywhere. So first you have to define what it is you want and then start taking steps towards it. Is there anything else about travel or your adventures that you think that people need to know about? If you have the opportunity, just go and do it. (laughs) As scary as it sounds, you know, just go and do it. I went off to Europe. I did that by myself. Um, I went off, I think I did 18 countries around Europe um, alone. I went off and did Bali and Indonesia um, and this little island called Lombok in Thailand, even by myself. And so a lot of women will say, I don't want to travel by myself. Well, there's definitely ways that you can do it. So just don't let that hold you back. Join a tour group. They have small tour groups. They have big tour groups. You'll meet other women who are also traveling by themselves. And just when you, when you hear yourself saying, I can't do this because, or I'm afraid of doing this because go to the root cause and just figure out a way around it because it's so worth it. Did you have any experience staying in hostels in any of your trips? 
all of them. So Europe was all hostels, um, hostels a lot through South Africa. Even I think in Thailand, we stayed in a couple. Yeah. So, so how was that? Were you pretty comfortable with staying in hostels or would you recommend other people do that? Or is there something else you would suggest? Yeah, no, definitely. Hostels and backpackers the whole way because you meet people there who then become travel buddies, become travel partners. They'll tell you where to go. They'll tell you the spots that aren't in the travel book. It's just the, one of the coolest places. I absolutely love hostels and backpackers. And I would imagine that you probably form some lifelong connections because you're not, you don't have all the internet connections and you're kind of just out in the, in nature. Um, has that been true for you that you've formed more friendships and stuff from that? Yeah, a hundred percent. One of the girls who I met in Europe was my maid of honor. She was my, a, a bridesmaid in my so wedding. Cool. You know? yeah. yeah. She, and then I ended up living with her when I moved to Australia. So um, yeah. So, I mean, you actually, because you're away from home and you're just going through this amazing experience and this life-changing experience with somebody, the strongest connections are formed. I've really enjoyed talking to you and hearing your story. Can you share with our audience how they can connect with you? Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm sure you'll put links in the show notes and show whatnot. Notes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. So I'm on Instagram quite a bit sharing my adventure stories. So you can find me on Instagram. I also have a, um, a free workbook. It's called Five Steps to Your Dream Career. So you can go ahead and download that if you like. And I think those are the two places that you'll find me the most. And what's your website? You can go to um, www.ericacarico.com and you can just find blog posts, resources. There's so much stuff there. Okay, great. And then did you already say your Instagram handle? Erica Lynn Carico. Okay, perfect. Thank you so much, Erica. You've been a total badass and I have enjoyed hearing your story. With that, we'll end our show. And to all the badass women out there staying in the arena, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, own it and get after it. Now that you've listened to this episode of Ordinary to Badass, we want to hear from you. Go to our website, OrdinaryToBadass.com slash podcast and submit your own experience on how you took your life from ordinary to badass and get the chance to be on a future spotlight episode of the show. That's OrdinaryToBadass.com forward slash podcast. While you're waiting for the next episode of the show, wipe off the sweat, dust off the dirt, and get back in the arena.